Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast presented by the awesome, the illustrious, the wonderful Queen Anne Beer Hall. Well, you like that, RJ? <laughs> Yeah, no, you you brought out the adjectives. I I appreciate that. I'm just going to keep hanging with, I'm pretty sure it was was Gregory's thing of, you know, what what other place are you going to go to where you can watch the game, have the fun atmosphere while you're watching the hockey game, but you're also going to be able to see both babies and dogs. Like, to me, that is like the perfect place. I'm pretty sure that's what heaven looks like is just Queen Anne Beer Hall. Um and you get yeah, and you of course get it under you there. You get to you get to point out them and everything. I get to point out that it's one, two, three, RJ, the start of the date today. It's pretty nice. Hey, one, two, hooray. three. Yeah. Everybody be ready. End of the year it's gonna be one, two, three, one, two, three. Start preparing now. <laughs> you have been warned. <laughs> All right. Uh because of you know, I, I casually bring up the the ridiculousness around the date there because as we all know, twenty twenty three is the year of the Kraken. And before we talk about the idea of Bo Horvat maybe joining the Seattle Kraken RJ, before we talk about the changes in Vancouver right before we have to play them, and before we hear your amazing reporting from the skills showcase, I want to kick off today's podcast talking about how the year of the Kraken has been going so far because RJ been going pretty darn well so far for the old Seattle Kraken. Uh, and by old, I mean year and a half old Seattle Kraken. They are 9-2-1 and one so far this calendar year, which is a fantastic record. That's 19 of 24 possible points. And I know a lot of that was done on the road, and we all know their, about their successes on the road. But, I mean, a lot of that was also done. We're, we're talking about it's the 23rd day here of January and they've played 12 games. Like that's a lot of games in a short amount of time for them to be able to keep up that pace. Definitely. I mean, this was a very tough stretch looking at it uh, before they were about to embark on this. And we figured this stretch might be the Kraken's undoing this season. Uh, And it has been the complete opposite. I mean, it's kind of catapulted them uh, to the top of the Pacific division. If you look by points percentage uh, and uh, you got to put that little caveat there, but still uh, this has been an excellent stretch for them. Uh, they've gotten into that rhythm uh, and yeah, they, they've kind of had some statement wins as well. Finally getting that recognition around the league. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? We don't even have to like, you know, qualify it with the points percentage thing because for, for a whole 24 hours, RJ, we were atop the division. We were number one in the Pacific, and it was glorious. What an amazing accomplishment for the Seattle Kraken after the the inaugural season they had last year, and and uh, I mean we all we all remember that. <laughs> we did not oh, yeah. think that we would be there just just a year later, and so it's I, I really you know want to applaud the team for the effort that they've had this season, the all the off season additions that the, that they made, all of it. Like I I think we're you know. We're far enough into the season where we can once again kind of acknowledge and appreciate everything that everybody's been doing here for the Kraken. But this last week in particular, RJ, because it's the last week before they got, you know, we're in the middle of this three day off stretch for them right now. That was the time for them to, you know, really kind of fall apart. Like you held it together. You all, you know, you, you, you toughed it out during that really long road trip. You set the record, the NHL record for, for the wins on that road trip. You know, you, you've done all this good work. Nobody would have faulted this team for essentially in the last week going 0-4. You know what I mean? Like like that right. that could have been on the table just because everybody's like, look, you're tired. You have to do a weird home and road back-to-back trip thing that nobody's ever heard of before. You've got to play good teams. You're, you're playing a team that's been to the Stanley Cup Finals the last three years. You're playing Connor McDavid. You're playing a red-hot New Jersey Devils team. And oh yeah, you're you're playing the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. And I know this was, you know, their worst week of the year so far, but still for them to walk out of this with that big overtime win over the Devils to take Colorado to the shootout, and you know what I mean? Like, I, I still think that that's a big, big deal. And it shows us that this team, yeah, they're deep as far as talent goes, but they're also deep as far as that kind of heart and gutsy effort of no matter how fatigued mentally and physically they are, they are going to come out and they're going to play tough no matter what. Always. And we had these burnout concerns, certainly after those back-to-backs where the Kraken, frankly, just looked tired. Yeah. by that Edmonton game. And we were both thinking to ourselves, well, how are they going to get enough energy back 
to close out these final two before really getting some time off. And amazingly, they did. I mean, you know, they come back in the next game and they look refreshed. They look re-energized mm -hmm. and, and, and you get the win in overtime. And then for that Colorado game where that's a very difficult Avs team to play against. Yeah. Even as banged up as they are, they they play the right way. And that one had a playoff style atmosphere to it. If you are anything less than your best, uh, you're not going to take that game to overtime, take it to a shootout, which, you know, let's be honest. It's a, it's a coin flip. It's a crap yes. shoot. Um, you know, I, I think of that game as a tie. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And, and basically you, you take that abs team and, and play them that well, uh, that requires a lot of energy and, and to kind of dig deep and find that within yourself when I'm sure all the guys are exhausted. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the skills showcase stuff later, but like that, you know, certainly the impression I had before the skills showcase, man, a lot of the guys were exhausted. I'm like, as, as fun as this event is going to be like, let's, let's just get them a day off. Like it's, <laughs> yes. it's good when it ends. I was going to say, maybe not the best scheduling for the skills showcase there it's at the end yeah. of this brutal stretch where they played 12 games in 21 days. Um, but yeah, it was, it was still, it was a lot of fun uh, from, based on what I saw. I can't wait to hear about it in a little bit here. Um, one of the things from this last week though, that I, I want to talk about, and you know, we talked about it in the post game from that Colorado game was Philip Grubauer. And I do feel like we're kind of, you know, I'm not, we, we don't have to totally go down the rabbit hole again, but I, I do feel like we're in that spot where again, it's just like, you know, all right, grew, he looks good again, but you know, for whatever reason, they can't actually get the W for him. I mean, I, I, I don't know what it's got to take at this point, RJ, for him to get the W's after this, you know, as of things standing right now today, January 23rd, him and Martin Jones essentially have the exact same save percentage. 894 for Martin Jones, 893 for Philip Grubauer. I mean, that's virtually exactly the same. Grubauer's got the better quality start percentage. But again, we're talking about one goalie being 22, 6, and 3, and the other being 4, 8, and 2. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I know. It, it, it boggles the mind it really does i mean we talked about that those goal support figures earlier in the season and since then jones has only gotten higher and Grubauer's has only gotten lower yeah um so it, it's amazing and you look at these these last two games at home yeah <laughs> grubauer you know 931 save percentage 963 save percentage zero wins out of that yeah like that's really good he is playing very good hockey and it's just it's not it's not coming together for him, unfortunately, in the record column. And, you know, to, to some people, that is the thing that matters. Right. And we, we joke about Hackstall all about the W's. But I still see a lot of stuff on social media about Philip Grubauer, like, you know, being so much worse than Martin Jones, all this stuff. And I'm like, but he's not. <laughs> he's not. I know. I'm looking back at this and I'm just uh, like, does, is he playing too well? I'm looking at the games at <laughs> is home. Is he playing too well? <laughs> this is where we're at trying to solve this I mystery. <laughs> I, you know, I, I look at it I, and I see, you know, like this Colorado where he stops 26 to 27 loss, uh, you know, Tampa where he stops 27 to 29 loss. Um, even that, that Calgary game, he stops 41 of 44 shots loss. loss. Um, and then the Winnipeg game, that's his, that's his last home win, which by the way, is, is over a month ago, his last win at climate pledge arena, which, you know, he deserves way better than that. Yeah. 882 save percentage stops 15 <laughs> to 17. It's a win. Okay. So, so I don't know. So what we're it's saying like the is lose the face off battle. Yeah. Thing? I was just going to say, it's like the lose the face off battle. Uh, Philip Grubauer needs to play worse and then that will inspire the team to win in front of him is, is, is the only conclusion we can draw from the data. As all yep. the, all people with analytic brain, you know, all, Actually, all people you know in hockey what? analytics, their heads start spinning as I say that. I know this is this is very basic, but I just sorted all of his games this season by save percentage. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the each of the top six games by save percentage that he's had this season. Yeah. All losses. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Name me the other goaltender that can do that. <laughs> I know. And the, the bottom five in save percentage, all losses, as you'd expect. Yeah. It's that sweet spot in the middle where he's got the five wins. All so right. just play right in that. Let's see. Between 914 save percentage and 882. Somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere. And you're golden. So he needs to play around league average is what we're saying. He can't be better. Yep. He can't be worse. He needs to be exactly league average to, to get the wins. 
apparently <laughs> wonderful well we've solved it everybody uh we can expect philip grubauer and the team to win for, to win a bunch of games from here on out you're welcome <laughs> i'll just pass that info along to him tomorrow at practice i'm yeah. sure he'll be thrilled to hear that <laughs> oh yeah I'm, I'm sure that you'll make his day definitely um all right, so we we talked about in in that uh, the the idea of the face off thing and and kind of the ongoing joke that we've had about you know or at least I've had about hey the Kraken win when they lose the face off battle the games they finally win the face off battle they tend to lose and 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 I've had a lot of fun with that and I have been coming around trying to drop you know like all right it's it's been great and all but come playoff time maybe we should just try to win some face offs here and because you know I haven't been the only person to notice the Kraken's face off woes. Um, there's mm-hmm. been some pretty big names out there in the hockey world. One Elliot Freeman comes to mind, uh, especially. Oh, yeah, he... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we all know we've we've all seen the tweets and all the messages that that have come out of him. The 32 uh, thoughts, you know, podcast articles that he writes, all that stuff, and because of really him and that, it seems like the Seattle Kraken have been linked to Bo Horvat, captain of the Vancouver Canucks, very heavily. And like, I, I don't yes. know, as far as like, for, based on what I've seen, it really does stem kind of from Elliot Friedman. Is that, do you think I'm right? Right. I that? mean, I've seen, uh, now I've seen a couple other, uh, a couple other sources be like, yeah, no, I, I'm hearing the Kraken are in on this. But Friedman was the first, like, uh, you know, four or five reportings of it. Yeah. Um, he definitely was the one to get started, which tells me, I mean, he hears something somewhere from someone um, and he kind of keeps hammering away at it. But um yeah, I haven't seen... I mean, basically, he's driven most of it, is what I'd say. Yeah, he's driven a lot of it, but it has gotten to the point where it's starting to feel like, you know, even if a deal doesn't happen, and we'll get into the specifics of all this a little bit more here in just a second, but even if it doesn't feel like it happens, it, it, or if it doesn't happen, it feels like it's gotten to the point where, like, okay, there's too much smoke here not to be something. Right. Like there is there is definitely something going on here. And because of that, we thought we'd go ahead and and talk about it here um, because it's it's something that needs to be talked about. Everybody's talking about it. We've seen it thrown around on Twitter, on the discord a lot. So we're going to go ahead and talk about it. What I will say, though, is we talk uh, tomorrow. We're releasing release the fans, which is our our Patreon podcast. It's 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 open to everybody, but it's where we select a, a terror of the deep tier Patreon member. A patron of ours and we we interview them and one of the things that we do towards the end after we've talked with them about their fandom is they ask us you know questions about the team and uh, this this week or this month I should say we did Gary M and his question to us was about what we see like kind of as the Kraken's future three to four years out and what things look like from like contract standpoints and all of that um and we have a we have a good time talking about that, so I don't want to like spoil too much from from that and everything because I want everybody to give it a listen. We have a we had a really good conversation with Gary, but we we did talk about like the idea of you know if Bo Horvat's there, what that looks like because we bring him in. If you're trading for him, he's not just going to be a rental for us this year. We're going to be ex- we would extend him most likely. And so what does that look like for the future of the Kraken? And if they don't do that, what other moves might they do? We talk about all that tomorrow. Uh, it'll be released tomorrow. You can all go and listen to that for, for some more in-depth stuff. Today, we'll just focus on the Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat aspects of it. Um, but RJ, I mean, let's just start at the beginning. If you think the Kraken are for real on Bo Horvat, what do you think it's going to take to get him? It's tough because... Um... You know, there are going to be other teams involved as well there, you know, that are interested. I mean, um, it, it's I, I don't think it's going to be particularly cheap. I think it's going to cost somewhere in the range of a, you know, one of the Kraken, potentially one of the Kraken's prospects that they've drafted recently, someone who's looking promising, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, a Ryan Winterton, a Jagger Furcus, a Yanni Newman, basically someone in that second or or successful third round range. Um, and then plus, I think you're looking at another high draft pick this year, maybe a second rounder. And I know the Canucks would certainly be asking for a first rounder, uh, in, in this year's draft. Um, you know, if you, you ask, you know, kind of Canucks fan circles, they all want Shane, Wright. I think we can just get that out of the way. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, happening. I think he's un- untouchable there, but, um, you know, you look at comparable trade returns, even as, as a pure rental, a first round pick is usually involved in a deal like this, unless some other big prospect yes. is going the other way. Yeah, absolutely. I do think, you know, 
you'd be kissing goodbye to your first rounder this year, which, hey, because the Kraken are doing so well, looks like, you know, playoffs are, are becoming more and more kind of almost inevitable. That first round pick, it's not going to be high. Right. Already I was trying yeah. to I was trying to, you know, let everybody know, yeah, we've been blessed these last couple of years with these high picks. Obviously, you get fantastic prospects like Matty Benier, Shane Wright. But one of the things that, you know, becomes harder with the later picks it isn't that you're necessarily getting worse players. It's that you're not going to see those players for a while. Right. You know, let's say this Kraken pick turns into pick 20, 19, 18, something like that. That's a player that you're not seeing for at least two years. Right after you draft them, yep. and so um, you you know as, as far as that first round pick, it's not going to be something that's going to be giving you immediate returns. Um, so I, I want to throw that out there just because that's not something the Kraken have been in position to experience yet. So for newer fans, yep. just that's that's generally how it goes. You know, pr- prospects picked later on in the first round, um, they they don't come to the NHL right away. They they take several years usually to to, to make it. Um, so, but yes, I agree. First round pick, my guess is, you know, you're looking at first round pick, maybe one of the Kraken's second round picks this year, and then maybe even a second round pick next year. Particularly yeah. if it, particularly if Vancouver is going to be like, hey, you can start working on, an, you know, you can start talking with these people about an extension before we make this deal. Like that's, that would increase the price of that. Um, and then, you know, as far as picks go, I mean, as far as prospects go, I mean, the Kraken, they don't have a ton of prospects, but they do have some some big time you know, names that could be included in a in a potential deal like this. Uh, I won't I won't go too too much into it, because, again, we talk about this a little bit uh, in the conversation with Gary on release of the fans that will come out tomorrow. But, you, you know, you do think of guys like a Ryan Winterton. And at some point, if you're talking about a Bull Horvat being around, plus Shane Wright, plus Matty Beneers. You could only have so many centers, right? And you don't want to bury a Ryan Winterton on the fourth line. So maybe that becomes, you know, an expendable option uh, for you to try to try to lower the actual draft capital itself that you'd be giving away. I don't know. Um, all right. So those are the, that's kind of vaguely where we're where we're thinking the return would have to be for a Bo Horvat. Now let's talk about the idea of, you know, should they do it? Should the Seattle Kraken even be considering this? Bo Horvat is ha- certainly having a fantastic season this year in a contract year. Who would have thought? Uh, he's got thir- <laughs> right. I know it's it's crazy to think about. Uh, he's got thirty goals so far this season in only forty six games, forty nine points. He's a really good faceoff player. Like that's been a pretty consistent thing with him throughout his career. Is he's you know he's been above fifty five percent almost every year now for the last five seasons. He's been um, he's been a good goal scorer. You know, obviously this year he's scoring at a at a really nice clip. But he's you know he scored thirty one goals last season. He's been up around twenty seven. You know, nineteen and fifty six a couple of years ago in that shortened COVID year. So he, he scores goals. He wins faceoffs. I mean, on its surface, RJ, that seems like somebody the Kraken should definitely be interested in. Right. And he does a lot of things that I think the Kraken could use. Uh, and, and I mean, that really any team could use. I mean, you'd always love to have a, a Bo Horvat on your team. Uh, you know, the faceoffs part is big, you know, especially in the playoffs. You want someone who you can send out there for a big faceoff in the regular season. Doesn't matter as much, but especially as you're playing that matchup game, uh, then yeah, it becomes really valuable. Um, you know, he's also, you know, can be defensively responsible too. I mean, he, yep. he got some Selkie votes last year, you know, for, for the first time in his career. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can never have too many players who can put the puck in the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Colorado Avalanche in their cup run showed that last year, that if you just have this, you know, ungodly amount of players who can score goals for you, uh, you know, that can take you a long way. You know, Kraken aren't necessarily near that abs level from right. last year, but they've, they've had, you know, maybe the deepest scoring in the NHL this season. And mm-hmm. just to add someone else on top of that starts to feel even more unfair. It does. And, you know, I, I'm going to. You know, I don't know that we that, you know, we didn't talk about this before, RJ, but like I'm going to kind of make a pitch as to why, you know, should this happen or whatever. Kraken fans should be excited or maybe even why it should happen here. Uh, feel free to disagree with me. Like you could you could totally play the other side if you want here. Go for it. But but one of the things that I look at with him that I that I think that, you know, bringing him in, having to extend him might not be a bad th- idea for the Kraken is because I feel like he's one of these types of players that one is going to age well, 
He's 27 right now. So, you know, you're talking about bringing him in. He'll, he'll be 28 next year. You're probably ex- giving him a seven or eight year extension. So you're looking at him being a player that you're going to have into his mid thirties, but because of that two way solid play that he has, because he can, he can be winning faceoffs for you. I feel like those players tend to age a little better later on in his career. He drops down the lineup for sure, but he can be that kind of steady, you know, presence for you when in faceoffs and in key moments, whatever, you know, I think of the, like the Penguins have always kind of had somebody in their bottom six like that uh, that can always, you know, they can throw out there. Just Jeff Carter right now in the past, it's it's been other guys um, where they just kind of rely on them to, hey, you know what? While our star players are resting, just make sure nothing bad happens out there for us. You know what I mean? And they're, they're mm-hmm. capable of doing that. But the other thing that I look at with him that really gets me excited, it's actually two things. One is that he's a special teams player. This season, we're looking at, yeah, he's got the 30 goals. 11 have been on the power play. So he can help out the Kraken power play, which we know desperately needs help. And mm-hmm. he's got two shorthanded goals. And he actually, he scores a lot of shorthanded goals. You know, he's good for at least one or two a year looking on his on his history here. So he's another, he's a, he's a really good player on, on the penalty kill as well. And, he, and I know the Kraken seem to have more options at forward there, but you can never have too many guys that are so solid defensively that you can trust them in the most key moments. And, and that's what that kind of tells me there is that he's, you know, he's a good player. He's out there. He kills a lot of penalties for Vancouver, and he can even turn some around into some offensive chances. Two, he doesn't take penalties. This is a guy who's, who's a two-way center, and he doesn't take penalties. He's only got 12 penalty minutes this year. Last year, he had a career high in 40. Only 40. That's not that's not like a very high number considering he was playing 20 minutes a night for Vancouver and they were putting him in some tough situations as far as what he had to do defensively and stuff like I think that that's a that's a big key for, for him. And then the fact that he also he draws a lot of penalties. He's drawn 26 this year. He's, so he's got a, a good differential as far as, you know, creating more opportunities for you than than giving up opportunities. But the thing that I'm most impressed by when I go to his money puck page here, RJ, is the mm-hmm. heat map of where he likes to shoot and score from RJ. Because you know where it is? It's right in front of the net. It's just yep. red. It's just red hot right there in the lower slot. It's an area that I feel like the Kraken don't do a good enough job of attacking. It's a very sustainable place that if you attack from there, you're going to score. And 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 it's something that you know we've t- I talked about last week, right, with the Kraken them all having a, like a really high shooting percentage and and kind of living off of that a little bit. Like that's the place where you can have a high shooting percentage and it's sustainable because it's the best place on the ice to score is in that low slot and net front, and that's exactly where Bo Horvat scores from and where he wants to go. And that's where I feel like again we're talking about someone you can add to the power play or add in key moments out there for the Kraken to be a big net front presence. I feel like he'd really benefit them. Yeah, and you make you make a compelling argument, you make a moving argument, and I will I will give you that I think a Bo Horvat trade would be the most fun of all possibilities. Um, <laughs> and I would be were it to happen, I would be excited, and I think Kraken fans should be excited as well. As you mentioned, he fits in with a lot of the things the team needs, and even though they have this incredible amount of forward depth, he he kind of plugs into some areas, as you mentioned, with that net front scoring, with the special teams that they can get better at. I understand the link there and the connection there of why he would make sense to bring in a trade. I I agree with you. His game is going to age well. And off the ice, he fits in character-wise, too. We know the type of players that Ron Francis likes to target. And so as soon as I saw that name linked to the crack, and I'm like, yeah, this seems like a Ron Francis type of player to bring in and and to help you with a playoff run. Mm -hmm. That said. I was going to say, I sense a butt coming here. (laughs) Oh, yes. And it's it's coming right here. There are trade-offs. Always in in the salary cap world, whenever you bring someone in, especially a player like Bo Horvat, who... I think, as Elliot Friedman says, if you're Seattle and you're doing this, you're doing this to keep him. You're not doing yeah, this as a rental. Absolutely. Because I, I think as a rental, it would be really unwise because you're you're only getting, you know, kind of the half season of him. Are you winning the Stanley Cup this year? Uh, as great as it would be and, and, as, <laughs> yeah. and as much of a chance I think they have, you can't count on that. Right. So you're doing this to keep him. You're doing this as a, as a long-term type of deal. You'd like to get him re-signed. Um, when you do that, you are facing some trade-offs as far as what you're able to do elsewhere on your roster. And so I kind of have two warnings here mm-hmm. for, you know, Kraken fans, Kraken management, basically two warnings about this trade. The first one 
is the Kraken's competitive window. Because by making this trade, you are trying to bump that up a bit. Mm-hmm. And I understand with the success they're having this season, I mean, what, why wouldn't you want to reward this team uh, and, and try and get as much as you can this season? Because it's such a crucial year for the Kraken and really cementing their status in kind of Seattle sports. And hey, look, this team is good. This is not last year's Kraken. We're going to make a run. And you want to kind of catch that lightning in the bottle because uh, this is a special team. We've seen what, they, what they've been able to do. And you want to help them out with that. Right. But... I think you are sacrificing things later down the line. Bo Horvat, 27 years old. He fits in with the window of some of their players, like, you know, an Andre Burakovsky, who they recently brought in, uh, you know, some of their older forwards, but he doesn't completely fit in with that Matty Beneers, Shane Wright window. Beneers being 20, Wright being 18. He's still a ways off from that. And beyond that, you are going to be subtracting from your prospect pool, which is already quite thin just by virtue of the fact that you've only had two draft classes. Mm -hmm. They've drafted very impressively in that time. But I think you really have to to contend with the idea that, hey, if I'm the Canucks, I'm really insisting on a Jagger Furcus, a Ty Nelson, or a Riker Evans as the prospect involved in this deal. Um, You know, I think Shane Wright's untouchable, but those second-tier prospects, I think that's really going to be who they're targeting. And, you know, do you want to see a a Jagger Furcus or a Ty Nelson potentially have that kind of success for a division rival when you're in your real window? So that's the first warning. Uh, and I, I don't know that I would that I would jump at this right away. I think you want to really see where this team is at in their real competitive window before you decide what long-term ad you're going to make. Because I think Eddie Bo mm-hmm. Horvat deal, it's going to be a longer-term deal. Yeah, and so you've decided definitely. the big piece that you're adding. Yeah. And the second warning is about the defense, the decor, basically, the defenseman. Mm-hmm. Because if you bring in Bo Horvat at the trade deadline this year and you extend him, I hope you like your blue line because it is not going to get better this year and it is not going to get better next year. Looking at the numbers, there just, there is no room. If you're making this Bo Horvat trade at the deadline, maybe you can add an extra asset, get, get a depth defenseman just in case some injury happens, but it's not going to make your blue line any better. I don't think they're in position to get a Bo Horvat and a John Klingberg. I think we're agreed on that. If you make this move, this is your big deal. And then next season, looking at it, looking at the cap friendly, I've done the whole armchair GM thing and mapping it out. So uh, assuming a Bo Horvat contract extension is something in the eight by 8.25 range. That's what Frank Saravalli says is kind of the consensus from talking to people around the league. And and, uh, I talked to you ahead of time. We kind of agree on these contract numbers as far as what it would look like. Yep. Uh, and then you look at re-signing Vince Dunn for for around the amount we talked about on the release the fans. So yep. uh, you can check that out tomorrow. We, we kind of agree on what that extension might look like. And then uh, I'll go with uh, re-signing Will Borgen as well. Just a, a one year, one point five million dollar deal. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. And you look at where that leaves you as far as the roster, because then you've got the the 12 forwards, you've got the six defensemen and you've got the three scratches and you've got your two goalies and Grubauer and Drieger. Mm-hmm. You have about negative 500,000 in cap space. So that's some, some money you still have to clear. There's no room to add another defenseman at that point. Right. Um, there's just no room. That's, that's how it is. So the blue line is going to be what it's going to be. It's going to be Dunn Larson, Alexiak Schultz, and Will Borgen, and then Susie will be gone. So maybe a Riker Evans or so. Like that, mm-hmm. I put Riker Evans into that spot. Yeah. That's what your blue line looks like. So that has to be enough. And I just think when the Kraken have struggled this season, it's been because the defense has had issues. Mm-hmm. The The forwards have always looked good, um, but I think that's been where the Kraken's problem is. So you have to be comfortable with that going into next season, and I just don't know that I am. And on top of that, this, this scenario means also you're not re-signing Daniel Sprong. You're letting him walk. You're mm-hmm. not re-signing Ryan Donato. You're letting him walk. Carson Soucy, he's gone. And you're also not make, doing an extension for Martin Jones because your goaltending tandem is Philip Grubauer and Chris Drieger. Now I know you mentioned you, you've you've talked to me kind of behind the scenes yeah. here your solution to this and I'll I'll let you uh, you know pull that out of the bag if you want to respond here but those are my two warnings about this deal and that's why it would give me enough pause to maybe not do this if I were Ron Francis but if he does it I, I'll still be excited yeah I I would still be excited too because the bottom line is yeah you're you're looking at that situation next year but 
like long term there's there's money that would be coming off the books because after that next season you've got Wenberg going you've got Eberly going yeah. and yeah that money probably goes to a Maddie Beniers extension at that point um but you know they're they're going Yanni only has one year past that um you start then looking at you know as Adam Larson ages out Justin Schultz only has one year at three million after that so you know you'd, you'd have that money freed up there is money there. I think there is stuff you could do as far as goaltending is concerned. You know, you could always trade Chris Drieger potentially and then have a cheaper backup option in net. There, I do have uh, what some would probably consider an extreme option uh, in net involving Philip Grubauer. But, uh, I mean, I, I talk about it on the, on the release of the fans, but I don't think it's really that extreme. I think it's probably what's going to happen, and I think it's probably the smart thing. Um, but I, I'll talk about it maybe next week. We've, we've, we've done a good job talking about how good he's been. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it. Uh, and okay. then <laughs> I appreciate you giving me my moment though. Uh, <laughs> as so I, I, I very much understand where you're coming from, from the, the money standpoint. And I do think that the concerns on the blue line is the more legitimate concern of the two that you brought up. And I think that that is something that would be more worrisome long-term. I don't know about the competitive window thing, because as far as I'm concerned with Maddie, the way he's already playing his comp your competitive window with Maddie is already now Shane Wrights is probably two years out from now. Cause he'll need a full season in the NHL to get up to speed. And then you're in your competitive window with him, but like Maddie's ready right now. He's almost a point per game player. He's playing a 200 foot game. He's fantastic. I don't think you got to worry about that. Um, so as far as bringing in another person who's going to be the same age as Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand and, and kind of right in there with those guys, I, I don't really have a problem with it. I, I think that that's a fine competitive window. What you do is then you've got Maddie in his young 20s, Shane around 21, uh, them at 30 something. You play through the end of their deals come 2026 or whatever you recycle all those guys for guys that are the same age as Maddie and that and, and, and Shane in that situation. And boom, you've got that kind of second opening. Like that's what, that's what having guys like Maddie and Shane gives you is it gives you multiple windows because they're so young and they're so good. So young um, is you'd have multiple windows. So I think you'd have a window with Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, Bo Horvat while he's still, you know, really young and a good competitor for you. And then that second window, Bo Horvat's more of that bottom six veteran kind of guy. And you've refreshed all the guys around them, the Bjorkstrands, the Burakovskys with guys that are more there while Maddie and Shane are probably only, you know, you're looking at Maddie being 28 at that point, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Very much still capable of, of giving it a good go. So I, I don't know that the competitive window aspect is too much of a concern. It's a big contract. And for the next year or two, that's a problem. But as the cap keeps going up, eh, I don't know. I think that yet yeah, that yes, the, the more concern is at, you know, you're going to be paying Maddie, you're going to be paying Shane at some point. It'll take a little while to pay Shane, but you'll be paying him at some point. Do you want to have your three biggest contracts all be forwards is the question you have to ask yourself. And and I think, you know, I think that the, it's possible we're seeing it this year. I mean, we just talked about the goaltending. Neither Kraken goaltender has got a save percentage above 900. Is that on them or is that on the defense, right? Like you can have that conversation and say, well, the defense needs to be better. But at the same time, also, we just talked about this team being 9-2-1 two, two and one this year with this blue line. So maybe the blue line is good enough. I don't know. Yeah, it comes down to, to what kind of roster construction you want. And that's always a difficult question to answer yes. in every team's circumstance. But yeah, I mean, basically, you kind of have to decide. You know, are you going forward heavy or are you going defense heavy? Um, but it's just something that, that you should know if you're going to bring in Bo Horvat. You're not bringing in. Right. A, a top line, a top level blue liner for at least another couple of years. Right. The way the Kraken are constructed, they have the ability to bring in one big piece. Yep. And that, so that's basically where we're right. At. Right. And so it's up to it's up to you to decide if you believe Bo Horvat is that one big piece. And I, I think there's 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 as good an argument for him as maybe anybody why he could be that piece. But I, I, I also, I understand not being like, yeah, let's do it now, right? Like this might not be the time to, to do that. Maybe there's other options down the road, including one that I, last tease, I promise everybody last tease, but one that I bring up on the release of the fans coming out tomorrow. That's, I think, a very intriguing option and I do think is, is potentially realistic. So, um, 
yeah, I, I think that there's there are some other options there. That being said, just want to put it out there. If like, you know, later this week or in 20 minutes after we finish recording this, RJ, because that's how the Kraken do things. They trade for Bo Horvat. I don't think it would be a disaster. I, I think that there would be a lot of good things to come from it. And I would be excited as a Kraken fan. Yeah, no, I, I would be too. And I think we'd, you know, we'd all, we'd all get on board with it for sure. And it would certainly be fun to cover Bo Horvat, to have him in the room and, and just, you know, to, to be able to cover the kind of the aftermath of a trade like that. Oh, for sure. I can already see us having hour long discussions on videos in next August about who's going to be captain of the team, Bo Horvat or Matty Beneers. Be wonderful. There's only one right answer. <laughs> Yanni Gord. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Uh, There you go, everybody. I said it. Congrats. All right, real real quick, RJ, before we get to the the skills showcase breakdown, because we've been talking about Bo Horvat, he'd be coming from Vancouver, and this is one of the fun things. Is like, well, you know, he'd be motivated to win in Seattle because he'd be coming from kind of our regional rival so to speak and yeah. i gotta think that that would you know him him wanting to f- have success and not be kind of stuck in the endless purgatory that the canucks find themselves in um which is which continued very much this week rj as they fired uh, bruce boudreau bring in rick tockett they're now paying three coaches currently um i don't paying... know if that's the 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 proper order that you mentioned that in they bring in rick tockett then fire bruce boudreau <laughs> and that's basically what happened yes um but yeah you gotta love an organization that's paying more people to not coach for the team than they are paying to coach for the team it's, it's, a, it's a sign of a healthy culture you've got going on up there um All right, so Vancouver makes the coaching change, and I only bring it up on this podcast, RJ, because we'll get into the messy specifics of it on the Red Glare podcast, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast, later this week. But I bring it up because the Seattle Kraken, that's their next game, is at home against Vancouver. We're still seeking our first win against the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver not looking so good lately. I was really feeling good about this this game upcoming, and now everything's kind of thrown into a blender because you're going to have Rick Tockett behind the bench with this team. I don't know what they're going to look like. Who knows what kind of headspace those players are going to be in given how messy the situation is. Like normally I figure like, okay, kind of one of those first games in with the coach, you know, they, they give it their all. They want to prove, they want to show off to the new guy. Like, Hey, this is what I can do and win favor. Uh, Maybe that's something to be afraid of, but given how messy that whole situation went down, RJ, I can't imagine these players heads are really going to be that much in the game. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to know exactly because there's always the the idea that you want to kind of audition for the new coach and you're you're mm-hmm. kind of re-earning spots, um, but it's it, this situation was just so much of a mess. It's hard to know how they're going to respond, um, and I think that makes them all the more dangerous. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is um, possible. And I mean, we've looked at games where the Kraken have played the Canucks and they were on these, you know, the long like losing streaks too. And, you know, like, oh, the Kraken really should win. And that's like the most dangerous ones because they haven't been able to get it done. I don't know. The game still scares me, especially with the Kraken coming off three days without a game. I know. I I didn't want to get into this place, but like it's just it adds an element of of kind of chaos to it that yeah. for whatever reason the matchups with the Canucks has not gone well but yeah. maybe it was Bruce Boudreau the whole time maybe Boudreau was just that that magic energy that that the Kraken could not get past <laughs> that would be that would be I mean that would be fantastic now because we never have to deal yeah. with it again but uh <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know I mean it's on on the one hand it is it's tough I'm very conflicted because on the one hand I feel very good about like hey look this Kraken team is playing as well as anybody in the NHL so far this season. I rattled off the numbers earlier. We've talked about it. Both goaltenders are right there right now. Um, and this Vancouver team has not been playing well. Like they're not headed to playoff town, right? They're talking about trading their captain. They're talking about trading their captain potentially to the team, you know, however, you know, a couple dozen miles down the road. So to right. Like, like these are not normal conversations to be had around a team. So you got to think that that's affecting them. But at the same time, especially after all the noise of this past week, I could totally see this Vancouver club kind of rallying around the new guy and being like, Hey, let's, let's, let's try to show everybody that we're not as dysfunctional up here as they all like to talk about us being. And so I'm, I'm very, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of happy that we get to play Vancouver now, but I'm also just naturally worried and hesitant given the the past we've shared with them. <laughs> I know. 
I know it, it. It's never a dull matchup with the Canucks. It always feels like something is going on, uh, you know, for for one of these cracked Canucks games, um, right. and this will be no different. Right, and you know, there's there's another aspect to this too, RJ. This is the first time in 2023, the year of the Kraken, that the Kraken have had to play on on a Wednesday. Ah, okay. We don't know what kind of team shows up on Wednesdays in the year 2023. Okay, we haven't seen We're getting into those obscure stats, like, you know, games this year on a Wednesday, you know, while while it's a full moon, you know, it's like those baseball stats they pull out. Look, I'm just saying we are undefeated on Thursdays, including giant wins in Toronto, in Boston, big home win over the, you know, the Devils. We don't know what kind of team shows up on Wednesdays. All right. Well, it's midweek. We'll it's hump out. day. I mean, that's like that's a toss up for anybody in any work environment. Right. Sometimes you're really hitting stride come Wednesday in your work week. Other times it's like that's the beginning of the decline. We're going to find out this Wednesday with the, against the Vancouver Canucks. How's that for a pitch? Why is it? Why doesn't Root bring me in to pitch all these games, man? Get get people excited. I know, to that, watch. That's a storyline you won't hear on Root. Yeah. For better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's something. To, that's something to. Hey, you know, we get our first Friday game too this week. Just saying. <laughs> that fun. Yeah, but uh, I'm still holding with uh, for this Vancouver game. Got to try to bring that road magic. I'll be wearing my road jersey. I want everybody to wear road gear. Try to bring that road magic. If you're going to the game, it's it's a home game. Try to you know wear a road jersey. Be be different. Be excited. Try to bring that that road energy back to the Seattle Kraken because we all know how well they handle that and and the magic that really does exist there. Um, you know, Dylan, so should I do the same thing? Like most road yes. games, I just like watch right here wearing pajamas and a hoodie. Should I just like wear that to the game and like, hey, no, this is going to help the Kraken win. Yeah, I would. I would. I would definitely right. show up wearing pajamas. We'll see how that goes over. Uh, you know, you couldn't. I mean, people people will let you. They think get it. Just say like, yeah, yeah it was a thing, you know, <laughs> They're like, all right. Yeah, th- that's all you say. That's the, of course, that'll be the day, right? That they hold some sort of like weird media lottery. And it's like for the exclusive uh, ability to interview Dave Haxtell. <laughs> it's like, uh, RJ, you won. <laughs> yeah, the, the Ron Francis exclusive. The Ron Francis, the lottery. Yeah. Liewicki, Haxtell, triple exclusive interview special. <laughs> I think we're just describing your nightmares at this point is that you show up to work in pajamas. You got to do that. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. All right. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's, we've talked about, about all that other stuff, RJ. Now we can get into the fun stuff, which was the Seattle Kraken had their skills showcase yesterday. Uh, by all accounts, it sounds like it was just as much fun as last season. It sounds like it's always a fun time. It was team Drieger versus team Donskoy this year. And so yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and hand over hand over all of this podcast to you here. You can fill us in and let us know how it went down. All right, will do. So it was a really fun event again. So it's the second annual Super Skills Showcase, um, and, and just a few things I want to mention at the st- off the bat. Great turnout of fans uh, yet again. Like again, the the lines outside were so long to get in because it was yeah. first come first served seating. So you just had to go like run in and find your spot. So uh, <laughs> that created a little chaotic element, uh, but it was fun. Uh, yeah, Team Donskoy versus Team Drieger, the two players who you know haven't played yet this season, but they've kind of been around. Uh, and I'm glad. I hope this will answer the question for a lot of people as far as like, where is Donskoy? We've even gotten a few like, is he alive? Well, turns out he is alive and well, uh, coaching Team Donskoy in the Skills Challenge. So, uh, and he was there also with his with his young son, looked to be like a year, year and a half old, who's yeah. on skates yep. out there on the ice, just kind of wobbling around. Get him started uh, early. Is, Yep, you got to get them started early. So that was awesome. Uh, and and before I get started in all the events, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who stopped by for the ECH meetup out by the plant wall before um, before the skills showcase. I know it was not easy to get out there because you got to reserve your seat. Like I realized that was not conducive to a meetup. <laughs> yeah. And and so many people stopped by and they're like, hey, RJ, like great to see you. I just wanted to come by. I've got to run back to my seat or I've got to run and go grab a seat. And I totally understand. Um, but it was good to see all of you there. We, we had a few that kind of stuck around at the end that just were not worried about getting good seat at all. They're like, yeah, we'll sit wherever. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for everyone who stopped by. It was uh, great to talk to all of you. So I wanted to mention that. Um, 
so we go on to Team Donskoy and Team Drieger. Uh, there was a player draft. They they showed the video of that. I don't I don't know if the Kraken have like put that out on YouTube or anything, but they had a video that Donskoy and Drieger both drafted their teams. Um, and one interesting element to that was uh, Maddie Beneers was drafted by Jonas Donskoy, and on the day of he ended up on Team Drieger. So I heard kind of behind the scenes that there was a trade made between oh. Drieger and Donskoy. And I heard that Driegs was taking it pretty seriously, that he was in GM mode, he was wheeling and dealing, uh, and, and he was you know, going for uh, a back-to-back -back, uh, skills showcase victory. And that included some roster moves. So we didn't get the chance to talk to him after the skills oh. showcase, unfortunately. But if I see him around, I'm going to ask him about that trade. I need to do some investigative work here, find out what the compensation was, how that came into being. I know after the skills showcase is done, everyone's probably kind of over it, but I still want to figure this out for myself. Yeah, no, and and I'm just checking the, the Seattle Kraken's page here on YouTube, and there, there's nothing there. So uh, maybe okay. we'll get well, something in a little bit. It. But from the, from the twins. So yeah. I have it at least I can go back through and like do the draft order and who was picked, but I won't do it here. Uh, first, first picks for each team though. Yeah. Uh, Don Skoy selected Ellie Tolvanen, no surprise fellow Finn yeah. uh, and Rieger selected Jordan Everly. So, you know, fellow Canadian boy, all, all, all good there. <laughs> uh, so after they showed the player draft video, it was time for warmups and warmups are always fun because you have the players bringing their kids out. I talked about Jonas Donskoy mm -hmm. uh, bringing his son out there and not just the kid, Jordan Everly, of course, with his two kids, but not just the kids. Jared McCann brought his dog Cheddar Let's out onto the go. ice. And Cheddar was, yes, Cheddar was a big fan favorite. Uh, right off the bat like i i caught cheddar in that video that i took of, of donskoy and his son like but okay yeah sure whatever baby but but cheddar <laughs> look at cheddar there uh, so yeah uh brought cheddar out for warm-ups and and mccann said uh actually that he, he had to kind of bring cheddar back behind uh back into the tunnel and everything because he was getting a little scared a little a little freaked it's out by lot. all the people yeah. yeah it is a lot um but uh Oh, good to see that. Good to see some dogs was, on the ice was, whenever you can get it. Absolutely. Afra is very excited. Uh, she's on the bed here next to me as we record. <laughs> she's she's very pumped up by this about this news. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe we could get Afra on that ice uh, one day. Oh, that'd be amazing. I bet she'd like it. Um, so you had warm-ups, and uh, so that that runs its course, and they've got the intros and everything. Uh, Nick Olchek and uh, Allison Lucan were kind of the two hosts for for everything like uh, talking about the different events and you also had uh the broadcasters john forsland everett fitzhugh um who were who were also kind of hosts and so the four of them really did that and kind of walked everyone through things um and then it came time for the events so we'll start with accuracy shooting so the players had targets in the net you gotta hit from about the hash marks it's what you'd expect from an accuracy shooting contest and um, it came down to the final two for each team and it was Daniel Sprong versus Jared McCann. Right. And you're thinking, you know, both these guys, man, they know how to shoot the puck. Right. So Daniel Sprong, I think finished with a time. Say, of... McCann was the champ last year, right? In this. Yeah, I think he was. I know Riley Shea and gave him a good run for his money, but McCann uh, was, I believe the champ last year. So he's defending his crown. And um, so Daniel Sprong, gets a time of 16.7 seconds. Pretty good, Pretty knocking good. down all the targets. And Jared McCann, it, it, it could not have gone worse for him. Oh, no. Uh, so many shots, like, right out of the bar, but that weren't where the targets were. And uh, he even got chirped at a certain point by, by Everett, who was like, hey, I, you're supposed to hit the targets. Oh, no. <laughs> like, while he's shooting, like, that's got to hurt. Not in front uh, of he, Cheddar. I know, not in front of Cheddar. But uh, McCann actually did not get all the targets before they just like kind of uh, <laughs> rang the buzzer at him Ooh. at 41.7 seconds. Ooh. Yeah. So um, and <laughs> I did uh, I, I found a sneaky way to kind of bring it up. You never want to bring that stuff up afterwards. Yeah. We were talking with McCann and I, I was asking him another question. I said, what was the best chirp of the day? And he said he couldn't remember, you know, like a you know particularly great chirp or whatever that he wanted to share. I said, just just the chirp from Fitz about, you know, you got to hit the targets. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I I heard that one. He's like, I went over and I told him, like, you know, when when growing up, I was told you're supposed to shoot through the net. So I wasn't <laughs> like, thinking, you know, the accuracy of hitting the targets. And, and man, McCann does have some shots that will go basically through the net. Yeah, it feels like. 
Um, so that was the accuracy shooting contest. Uh, Sprong uh, takes the win there. So next onto the relay race. And um, yeah, I, it was, it was a, another close battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe team Driegs took it. Uh, but a, a few, a few little notes from that and, and relating to the mini nets, because you know, this is both of our favorite parts of this yep, relay race. So absolutely. You go around the cones, you shoot three, you do three saucer passes. I mean, into the mini nets over a little barrier, then you stick handle through some stick segments, then you shoot it into the empty net all the way down. Um, but I asked brand, I mean, I asked, um, Morgan geeky afterwards what the best chirp of the day was and he gave me an answer so and, and he knew right away too no hesitation he's like all right so the best chirp of the day you're like you, you know the relay race like remember you know the the part with the mini nets i'm like yeah yeah so he's like all right so it was this tanev was going up to those mini nets and as soon as he got there he said canner and ebbs just started yelling at him saying he should just like lob it just like lift the puck over because he didn't have that saucer pass in his tool bag <laughs> It's like that's not something he's ha- he has in his bag. They claim. So uh, then, of course, Tanev, hearing that as soon as he steps up, goes three for three on the saucer yeah. passes. One, two, three, right into the mini net, uh, and shows them what's up. Uh, now there was one other player in this uh, competition who went also went three for three in the mini nets. Care to guess who it was, Dylan? Adam Larson. Yes, it was Adam. Let's Larson. Go! I knew you'd be proud. <laughs> I knew you'd be proud of your boy. Yep. In, um, in, so, in my favorite competition too. Favorite favorite aspect of all this. The saucer pass. The only thing I could maybe do out there. <laughs> yep. It was perfect, right? Yep. So uh Tanev and Larson kind of the MVPs of the of the relay race there. Um so on to the hardest shot. Mm-hmm. And uh this one this this one probably carries the most weight as far as the one the players really want to win everyone will help you with the uh, shot too <laughs> yeah it will the weight will help you with the shot um now and uh i was i was yes, gonna go say like let's set this up like who who won it last year because i remember Morgan there was geeky won it yeah last year. but there was there lots was of controversy, controversy though yes with the radar gun and that that it seemed a little bit off and that the one didn't register and everything and so there was some controversy around that and that stuck with the team too all the players were aware that it was like on a technicality and and like they didn't actually win and so so there was all of this and so right. Morgan and then Geeky, and then we got yeah. Tolvanen coming in and we've seen what he yep. can do in a game setting so you got to think that in a in a skills showcase where you don't have the pressures of like you know defensemen diving at you and whatnot yeah you know, there's, there's going to be a good run for his money there, Morgan Geeky again. Well, that was the most disappointing part of the of the hardest shot competition. Oh. Ellie Tolvanen did not participate. What? I know. Fire everybody. <laughs> I know. Because I, I believe Tolvanen did the uh, the relay race part instead. But no, you've got to have him in hardest shot. I, so, I don't understand. So Donskoy drafts his fellow Finn and then doesn't stick him in the in that i don't i don't want to be too critical of jonas donskoy here because i i think he doesn't he doesn't need any any else anything else this season but i i don't understand his like roster decisions in drafting and in where he put people okay i i just don't understand we were talking about the draft like what kind of team is donskoy building here uh definitely more of a fan of of drieger's gm but so for the hardest shot competition you started off actually with a few uh uh, former players and people in the broadcast crew okay. showing what they could do. You had Dave Tomlinson come out there, have a pretty nice shot. You had Nick Olchek registering a 95 point. Whoa, that is impressive. Yeah, he can rip it. I mean, I knew that from having been on the ice with him for like the media clinic and a couple other things. Right. But yeah, he can absolutely blast that puck. So 95.3 and he was hitting in the 90 range uh, during warmups and ever like before warmups, sorry, as they were testing out the radar gun. Right. So it wasn't a huge surprise to me, but man, yeah, Nick Olchek, credit to him. Good for him. Um, yeah. And then JT Brown was supposed to go, but he said off season hip surgery probably shouldn't be doing that. All right. He tapped Daniel Sprong to go and take the shot for him and Sprong clocks a 98. So Whoa. I'm glad to see we got to see Sprong shooting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And that was on a first attempt too. Cause the second attempt is always, you, you get generally better. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we only saw the, the Sprong first attempt, just tagging him for JT Brown. Cause when they first announced the lineups, like how is it Tolvin and Sprong not going for this? Right. But at least we got to see Sprong. Yeah. So you get to the actual hardest shot competition and Morgan geeky has got to try and defend his crown. 
And boy, did he. Uh, he was the only one to hit triple digits. His first shot registered just over 100. And his second one hit 104.8. That is fast. That is very fast. Yep. Again, nobody else could even get into triple digits. Um, Jared McCann was second with, a, I believe, a 99 point something. Uh, but Morgan Geeky ran away with it again. Uh, and uh, good to see that because, uh, yep. you know, I know there was some controversy on that last should, year. Should quiet nobody. That. Yeah. yeah, nobody can question the win this year. Uh, and he got some funny questions on that. Yeah, I don't think he cared too much. He, you know, you know how geeky he is. He wasn't gonna be like, yes, this is the most important thing in my life. Um, but he was asked, how is he going to prepare for the hardest shot competition next year? Like, how do you get start training? Right. And he's like, uh, well, I did some chin ups between the first and second period in the Colorado game yesterday. <laughs> I love this guy. Yep, I can't believe he didn't say pizza. Hut. Two chin-ups at intermission. That's how you <laughs> get good slap shots. I can't believe he didn't take the opportunity to throw another uh, another free uh, sponsorship ad read towards Pizza Hut. I know. No Pizza Hut mentions at all. He could have brought it up if he wanted to. Um, but yeah, we know that's the fuel, the, the yes. barbecue chicken pizza from Pizza Hut. So um, just do that. You eat lots of Pizza Hut and, and do some chin-ups at intermission. And uh, yeah, you'll be like Morgan Geeky. There we go. Love that guy so much. I, I want to see him drop that in a game because I don't think we've seen him really go for the slapper this season. No, not really. He needs to use it more in games. He did at the start of last season. But he kind of gave up on that. Yeah. So, yeah, when they kind of remember when he was supposed to be the trigger man on the power play briefly. <laughs> yes. Oh, good times. Very, good very time. briefly that that existed. But maybe, you know, maybe now. Um yeah, so I, I want to see him drop that in a game, try to catch some people off guard. I wonder if yep. I wonder if like news of that because like that's a very respectable score at like an NHL All Star game. One hundred four point eight is like that's I gotta, very I don't fast. Remember like, what the winner was last All Star game, but that's got to be up there. That is up there. Like in in the days post Zdeno Chara and Shea Weber, <laughs> when yes. when it's like back into like the mortal realm, uh, yeah. as far as what these numbers are. Uh, that would be very respectable. So I, I wonder if that news gets around the NHL. Like, hey, Morgan, this Morgan Geeky kid over in Seattle, like he hit that. And if and if like other people question like, well, how accurate is that radar gun? Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Like, I wonder if that's the thing he'll chirp guys with later on in the season. That'd be that'd be pretty fun. And um, I know Jeff Merrick, I think, quote tweeted the Krakens one. where he was just like, whoa. So yeah. the hockey world is taking notice. Yeah. Um, and it's cool that they do this. I, I've got so many uh, comments and, and, and stuff on Twitter saying that, like, why doesn't my team do this? My team should do a skills competition. Yes. I want to see how hard my guys can shoot. Um, so great, great that the Kraken do this. So X was the breakaway challenge. Yeah. And so the, the guys get to bring out their craftiest moves uh, on the breakaway here against. Uh, by the way, I should mention the goalies. There were a couple e-bugs. So the emergency backups were in there who are good goalies, by the way. I, yes. I shot on them last week. Could not beat them. Very, very good. Um, so for the breakaway challenge, uh, I'll go over a few highlights. I thought the most creative move and, and certainly the one that got the most traction online uh, was from Daniel Sprong. Mm -hmm. He goes and lies. He brings the puck in lies down puts it in his glove and does a little superman spread along the ice shakes it from one side to the other like am i going to the stick am i staying in the glove and then basically just throws it into the net at the very end it fooled the goalie um and i think it was probably the winner of the breakaway challenge yep yep he was sliding on his belly like a penguin given that yep. given that look of of what am i gonna do we've seen that we've seen that move back over to the stick and in in the in the past there doing his own unique kind of brand on it and just throwing the puck into the net yeah <laughs> does it does it count did it count i no one said it didn't i mean this, okay there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of i know rules rules kind of go out the traditional shootout yes. rules go out the window for events like this but i i just i still didn't know if just throwing the puck in was gonna gonna count in this yes no I, I, it, it did count so um cool. there was yeah it did count um there were no judges this time though really like like there were last year you know last year you had kind of a panel of judges yeah um so that that was a little different this year uh let's see other highlights uh jordan eberly did a cool behind the back shootout move where you know he brings the whole stick and everything behind the back he scored on that one nice. uh morgan geeky did that little kind of where you pick up the puck like the Michigan spin it or spin around and, and throw yeah. it on net. Uh, he was able to convert on that, which was pretty cool to see. That is really impressive. Um, yeah. Vince Dunn kind of picked up the puck uh, on his stick, 
like at, right at center, taking it in, did some puck juggling all the way to the net and then tried to slap it out of the air. Didn't get everything on it, didn't go in. Um, but nice try there uh, from Vince Dunn. Mm -hmm. So that was the breakaway challenge. Uh, you know, fun to see the guys kind of show their stuff. Adam Larson, he participated. He tried. Um, Did didn't he... have a whole lot in his bag. He went between the legs on one. Okay, that's not bad. Was, was one of them just coming in and just taking a clapper from like halfway down the zone? No, that's what I wanted to see. And no, he did not attempt that. So unfortunately, uh, he didn't do it. So but that yeah, it was a breakaway challenge. I posted some of the highlights on it too on all our social media, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and even TikTok, which I'm, I'm uh, experimenting with here. Yes. It's only our second TikTok that we put out. But uh, it's at yeah, Emerald City Hockey. So go check that out if you if you are so inclined. I'm still figuring things out, so it's not going to be great yet. But the the shootout highlights one is doing okay. I I, I used a sound for the first time. I put Ooh. some music behind it. Yeah, I'm, I'm still learning. Everybody. So so adventurous, RJ. I know. <laughs> Adding sound to video. What, who do you think you are? <laughs> I know, it, and it was, was music too, so like so out of character for me. I don't know what music to pick. It's like um, Charlie so Chaplin, just straight to you. <laughs> just <laughs> yep. Uh, so that those are the highlights for the for the breakaway challenge, and then the final event um, was the the three on three competition. So you had the teams do a little three on three oh. scrimmage after back to back, back overtime games for them. Okay. <laughs> I know. Well, I, you'd be surprised to learn. They didn't just circle back into their own end all oh, the time. They got a shot right. off. <laughs> yes. They got a shot off. Can you believe it? Uh, it was a little different feel for the three on three in that one. Um, I'm trying to think of highlights from the three on three here. Um, Adam Larson, I will say Adam Larson took it the most seriously. Okay. Would you believe that? Yeah. yeah he I was would. skating up and down the ice. He was back checking. He was forechecking. Uh he was he he wanted to win that one. Yeah, he doesn't know how not to win. You know what I mean? That's just what he mm -hmm. does. He's a machine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then and then one of the other uh odd moments was uh Jared McCann uh was almost or no, no, wait. I'm trying to remember which way this went. Hang on. <laughs> He's got to pull up. The, he's got to pull up the TikTok, everybody. No. <laughs> yes, I have to pull up the TikTok and check this. Okay, so um, Jared McCann um, basically juggled a puck, like trying to for trying to knock it out of the air in the three on three. He was coming in on like right. basically a breakaway, and um, he kind of smacked at it at trying to knock it on net, but it missed the net, and it almost hit Jamie Alexiak behind the net. Whoa so close and and mccann said afterward because we you asked him about it like it, it was about he's like that was probably about an inch away from taking out his teeth his brand new teeth his brand... <laughs> so yeah good thing for That's... mccann that puck did not uh hit jamie alexiak um because yeah he uh he probably would have been a little scared there that would that would have been an uh yeah an interesting like post post super skills competition uh, conversation between the two there. I know, like this is a skills comp, man. This is supposed yeah, to and, be and Alexiak, Yeah, afterward he circled right around the net and like just grabbed McCann and just gave him a, like big old hug kind of thing. So they they sorted it out in their way. I thought a fight was gonna start, but that would have been fun. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure Hackstall would have been thrilled. <laughs> yeah. No Hackstall sighting, actually. He was there at the last one, but I did not see him today. Ooh, interesting. Or yeah, not today, yesterday. As he's preparing for the, the coaching change in Vancouver. Yes. I mean, yeah, he's he's got work to do. You know got, he's watching film. He's doing all that stuff. I was going to say, gotta you got to throw out that dusty old Bruce Boudreaux book that's been hanging around since forever long. Every, all the coaches it's have It's brought it. you so much success. <laughs> Well, yeah, in the Kraken's case, I just—I was just trying to make a joke of how often Bruce Boudreaux gets recycled by teams. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, bring out the Rick Tockett TNT book. Just everything mm -hmm. he's talked about all season long on TNT. What's he going to try to bring in here? Um, should should be interesting. But I'm I'm glad that it, it sounds like another fun event. All the fans there were able to enjoy it. And then yeah, I mean just the bragging rights that this gives the Seattle Kraken fan base over all the other fan bases of like, Hey, our, look at, look at our, look at our cool hip happening team. Like they, they show up like Steve Buscemi with the skateboard and the backwards hat. Hey, what's <laughs> up kids? Like, but they're at least trying, right? No other teams try like that. Yeah. 
And and it takes a lot to put on an event like this. Too. Absolutely. It's not easy. And Morgan Geeky credited, like, he's like, it's got to be really tough to, like, get us all together and do this stuff. You know, right. and so he credited everyone who, who scheduled the event. Um, so I'll, I'll just get to the end of it here. So on the three on three challenge, um, Team Donskoy was was trailing at the very end two one. And with yeah. like basically as time expired, Brandon Tanev scored to tie the game, which would like decide the thing. Right. And um, so he didn't celebrate. Nobody else on the ice for Donskoy really celebrated because they're like, ah, it's a three on three, whatever. Adam Larson, hands in the air, like Let's go. at the glass, full on celly. He didn't even score the goal. I don't think he even got an assist on it. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> he matter. Was, he was loving it. That's <laughs> yep. all that matters. So they tied it. And afterwards, Morgan Geeky said, like, yeah, I don't even know how we won because I thought it was tied. So I, I don't know. But yeah, so the score is tied there. But Team Drieger takes the win. Back-to-back wins for Driegs. And I tell you, he loved that trophy. He was like <laughs> holding it up. He, the guys were passing it around, like holding it, kissing it. Like it was awesome. They were all about that trophy. Drieger even gave a speech afterward. You got to give your victory speech. He went with like this year's kind of, you know, University of Georgia winning the college football championship. He went with their motivation strategy. Okay. He said, hey, a lot of people thought we couldn't do this. We had so many doubters. They didn't think they thought Morgan Geeky won the hardest shot on a technicality last year. Come on. But we showed them we can do this. So that's where the motivation came from. Oh, you'll absolutely love to hear it. I mean, that is that is so fantastic. Uh, uh, Yep. All the all the haters out there. No, no way in heck they thought they could get that done. Just, you know. Gotta, uh, personally yep gotta, i i knew his team last year they were a paper tiger there was no way yeah. they were going to be taken down by by team donskoy this year and i was wrong just like all the doubters <laughs> yeah just just like when you said those same things about the abs very <laughs> proud of you rj bringing that out you didn't have to but you did <laughs> hey you know what as as, as nick olchek has, has taught me over the past week you gotta be able to laugh at yourself you absolutely do need to be able to, and I think that that's a very appropriate place to end this week's deep dive. Uh, had a fantastic time talking about all things cracking today. One more shout out to the awesome Queen Anne Beer Hall for for sponsoring this podcast, sponsoring the post games, all that good stuff. Can't wait to get back up there again and hopefully do another uh, watch party. That was that was so much fun. Still still thinking about it a lot. All right. Uh, one more time, I'll remind everybody: release the fans with Gary tomorrow. Uh, talk about the kind of the future of the Kraken, all that, all that good stuff. In addition to hearing about Gary and his fan experience, how he came to to become a hockey fan, wasn't one before the Seattle Kraken. Le- hearing about that journey again, it's one of those cool things that we get to experience up here in in you know in Seattle and all that that um, other fan bases don't get to is, is some of those unique stories about finding the sport as this new team came in. It was a, it was a lot of fun to be able to hear that from him. So definitely recommend everybody goes and gives that a listen. And then, uh, you know, Vancouver on Wednesday, all looking forward to that game, all the other games this week. But until then, we'll see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash Emerald City Hockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Austin H, Austin W, Burnt Krem, Chris, Coop, Daryl, DJ, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Gaby, Gary, Harry Legionary, Jay, Joni, Joshua, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Kyle, Leanne, Maya, Michelle, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rebecca, Sarah, Scott, Sean, Shoeshine, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Tyler, and Wendy. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.